everyone, and I'm delighted to say for the latest Scots Way Hey podcast, I am joined once again by John D. Byrne. Hello, John. Hello, how are you? I'm very well. This is your third time on the Scots Way Hey podcast, I'm delighted to say. Is it really how cold? <laughs> <laughs> it is. We You're not getting anybody else then? <laughs> well, we, we, we had a lovely um, catch up in Edinburgh. And to talk about your novel, and then we spoke about Alistair uh, Crowley, which was fascinating. Yeah, yeah. If people missed that, they should really go and, and have a listen to that. But this yeah. time round, we're going to be talking about your new book, Wild Winter in Search of Nature in Scotland's Mountain Landscape. And it's a terrific uh, book, I have to say. What can you tell us about it, John? Um, well, it was a like it was a, a a great plan. The book I had a great plan for the book, and like most plans, it went completely wrong. Um, the plan essentially was that I would write a book that followed my wanderings and my meanderings through the highlands, glens, and bothies and remote rocks that I visit, um, and I was going to. Well, the original idea was that in, in the high ground, the, the high highlands, winter can arrive sort of in October, around the time when the stags rut. Mm. And, and also winter sometimes, uh, quite often, lingers quite long. And it's not uncommon to have blizzards on the, on the high hills in May. So I thought, well, I'll take that as my winter. Uh, and of course, in May, the 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 um, folds that were conceived in the rut are born, yeah. and that seemed to me to be a a sort of circle, really. Yeah. Um, and I like winter, and I also thought what I'd try and do was to be to to, to see some of the iconic creatures of the Highlands, the, the wild animals, wildcat and and mountain hare and pine marten. Um, I thought I, I I'd see all of those. Um, and that, that turned out, well, two reasons. Uh, wildlife, I discovered, doesn't often cooperate. <laughs> and um, it, it, in fact, it seems to do its best to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, for example, I, I, I spent uh, several icy, very cold days on, on the Arden American Peninsula um, trying to find otters hunting. Uh, didn't see anything. Plenty of signs of otters, but no otters themselves. And then when I got home, there was an otter swimming in the nest just outside my house. I think, I think that was a purpose. They, 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 they were doing that to point, point, point something out. And the other thing, of course, that, that got in the way was our plan to be on the hills and out um, through, uh, throughout April and May. And as everybody knows, we, we were locked down during then. So, uh, but nevertheless, I think, I think that I, uh, it's, it's not the book I set out to write, but I think perhaps it's a better book in a way because of that. Because that gives it, we'll talk about the, the kind of April chapter in particular at the end, because it gives it such a twist that nobody could have written, you know, if you're writing that as fiction, mm. it would go, what? No, that can't happen. But <laughs> true. I have to say it opens brilliantly, as many Scottish books tend to do, with some incredible scenes of violence. Because as you say, you have the <laughs> rutting uh, stags on the hill, and it's an amazing uh, kind of scene. And you've mm, kind of mm. staked it out, haven't you? You've kind of decided this, it is like a stakeout because you can't make a sound. They're so attuned to other sounds. That's right, that's right. Well, what I had to do is, I, I knew there was a, a, a rutting ground there. So what I had to do was I had to go up at night in the darkness before before the dawn 
and to uh, wait until it until um, it got light enough for the rot to take place. And obviously, the deer, um, uh, well, if they sense you there, they'll just take off. Yeah. So it meant keeping very still. But one of the reasons I wanted to see the rot was it's a funny thing. I, I, I've spent years in the hills, and I must have heard rotting deer thousands of times. Uh, but they're always far away in some distant quarry or in some... Uh, remote glen, and they're always just, you know, out, out of sight. But the, uh, but this time I actually wanted to see the str- the, the, the the stags collide in combat and and and, and the big dust up that happens up there uh, because it's quite an iconic thing. And I've never, I never actually, in all my years, I've never seen this. That was that was that was what I wanted to do, and it was an incredible sight, as you say. But the book is full of you uh, seeing these sites often for the first time because there's a sense of one bar mm. in a lot of them um there's a bit i think where you're out for a walk and you see um oh the it's called the ghost of the, the hen harrier the hen harrier that's the very one uh, the yeah. hen harrier yeah. and you yeah. say to the fellow you're walking with oh, uh, are they quite rare he says yes but they shouldn't be and there's also that theme throughout the book about mm-hmm. man's kind of impact on the hills and on the mountains um, so it was a lot yeah. of you're kind of discovering things for the first time or at least making a, 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 a decision that you were going to maybe interact with the creatures on the mountains rather than just with the actual landscape. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I certainly, I, I, I wouldn't call myself even an amateur naturalist. Uh, incompetent naturalist, I might manage, you know. Uh, I'm not, uh, and, and I feel that's a huge gap in my knowledge. You know, you'll you'll go out with with someone and they'll, they'll say that's a lesser lesser spotted scornthrake or something, and I've got I've got no bloody idea what it is, you know. And yeah, I've seen these things hundreds of times, and so it it was really a conscious effort to start to educate myself. And yet, you know, you you you, you talk. Um, uh, I sort of you know you listen to someone like David Attenborough, and they are so uh, their, their their knowledge is so advanced. You think, well, I could never attain that. So really, it was just my idea to go out. And as you say, the 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 uh, sighting of the hen harrier, male yeah. hen harrier, was 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 you know that was a real iconic sighting because the the hen harrier, as as you sort of pointed out, uh, they are well relatively rare in the Highlands. They're extremely rare in England. Yeah. Um, but to, uh, for me, it's a sort of seminal experience to see uh, hen harrier because they are every hen harrier you see is is a survivor. Yeah. It's it's come through um, a, a, a hostile environment really, uh, only to, to 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 find an ability to breed and to to find some corner of of the highlands that it it, it can call its home, um, and and so they are. Uh, Difficult to see. It, I was very lucky because uh, the bothy I went to uh, in the summer, um, hen harriers, male hen harriers, often have more than one brood going at a time, uh, which means that uh, when they're trying to feed their fledglings, they have to hunt like crazy. Yeah. So I was very lucky that in the particular place that I was, the, this hen harrier had a particular run up, up, up the river and, and round over the wall and hunting for voles. Uh, and I saw it quite a lot after that. Uh, but that's a real privilege. Uh, although, you know, I have to say, I saw it, that, that, was a, that, was be, uh, that was a warm, hot summer. But then the following year, 
it you know it was in that place it, it was it was damp and cold and the vole population must have gone down and i didn't see a single hen harrier so it, it just shows you how difficult it is to see these creatures yeah because you talk about um you know that being a, a warmer uh, summer or a you know the way that that clearly affects the ecosystem you know, mm. uh, and, and absolutely. We'll perhaps going to talk about how lockdown has affected the ecosystem. Sure, yeah, on your yeah. But um, they, that's something that, from being on the mountains, you have you know you called yourself an amateur uh, naturalist, but you can notice, you can see when oh yeah, it should be more of those things here, or there are too many of yes. those things there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I think one of the things that's happening at the moment in in our in our climate is that we get. Uh, very dramatic changes in our climate uh, from one extreme to the other. And that's something that wildlife, you know, we, we, you know, for example, this winter, we had temperatures of minus 23, stuff like that. Uh, and then other winters have been extremely mild. Uh, then you get very high winds, you'll get extremely uh, high, high rainfall. And it obviously, uh, wildlife can't adapt that quickly to changes in uh, the climate. So it's very difficult for them to survive through things like that. Well, let's uh, go forward to how wildlife in some ways seem to reclaim even urban spaces while we yeah. were all being locked down. One time you talk about um, how you enjoy going out and just experiencing silence. And the silence on the mountain is very different to what you might think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what I noticed was, as I was doing my walks in the first kind of lockdown was, you were hearing nature even in the city that you perhaps would have done otherwise. Yes, that's right. That's right. In fact, you know, I, 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 as I said before, I, I live just opposite the River Ness in the middle of Inverness. Uh, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to overlook it. And so during lockdown, I've never been an urban walker, but, yeah. you know, you had to do something. You couldn't go more than five miles. So I started walking on the River Ness, along the River Ness. And the bird life, I have to say, was quite, was, 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 was quite spectacular. There was, it was like going back to the 50s, maybe. There was hardly any cars. It was, as you said, much quieter you didn't really see that many people even mm -hmm. um but i remember distinctly it would be about mid-april when i was particularly feeling maybe one day a bit low you know and uh, i noticed the first uh uh house martin flying over the river nest and coming coming in and i, I, and I thought you know well that that little bird has flown all the way from Africa. It weighs a few grams, you know? Yeah. And if that little bird can make that kind of a journey, then you know, maybe we can get through this. Yeah. Um, and it was great because, you know, the next morning there was three or four more. And a few weeks later, there must have been thousands sweeping over the, uh, over the, over the nest, you know? So it, 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 that sort of gave me a bit of a lift, I must admit. Yeah, there is the feel uh, that nature will find a way and if you mm. put ourselves in that, then you you do find a way. Just as an aside, there was an incredible picture in the middle of Glasgow during the first lockdown where um, a fawn had come from, we think the cemetery, the big cemetery. Oh, right. Yes, and it was yeah. right in the middle of the busy Buchanan Street, which is the major shopping thoroughfare yeah, 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 of yeah, Glasgow. Yeah. And because there was just nobody there. So it was... It, yeah, it, yeah. That's right. Hmm. No, I think it, it what, what struck me was... 
uh, when I came, well, it was a strange sensation, really, because I'd been in lockdown from through the, through the spring and into summer. And then I can't remember when it was. It must have been June, July, when we were allowed to travel again. And when I went out, I, I went out into the hills and um, it was as if there'd been, so the last time I'd seen the hills was in winter. Yeah. And I drove into them in midsummer, and it was as if there'd, as if there'd been this green explosion. The whole place, and I, obviously that happens every year, but um, be, because it happens gradually, I don't notice it quite so much. Yeah. But it just seemed like I, I couldn't quite believe the amount of, of greenery that there was. Um, yeah. and I, yeah. Well, I, I, my kind of only major trip during the summer was up to see my brother in Braemar, and oh right! Suddenly you noticed, as you say, the change. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was just uh, extraordinary. It was like somebody taking a paintbrush and greens and purples. Yeah, yeah. And, quite and, incredible. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's also the case that that you know places that I I, I went, I had Bothies and the tracks into these places. A lot of them were, were very very overgrown indeed, yeah. and it, it wouldn't be almost in a few months and certainly a following year, a lot of those tracks would no longer have existed, yeah. and even even you know bothy doors were growing over. There was you could see that there had been nobody there at all. Yeah. Quite incredible. And they, but as you say, given given half a chance, nature will will, will, will come back. We'll find a way through. Well, you mentioned uh, your otter on the the nest, kind of almost uh, cocking a snoop to you <laughs> to find them yeah. elsewhere. But that's a really nice bit because you talk about the commuters going to their offices, going to the, you know, their places of work and being too absorbed in their phones or whatever uh -huh. and noticing yeah, yeah. that nature is there. And I think Inverness, more than any, certainly more than any Scottish city I can think of, has gone from being quite a small place to very quickly being a big... Absolutely. Right Absolutely. on the edge of some of our wildest... Yeah, uh, well, you know, natural habitat. Yes. Oh no, it's quite amazing. I, I yeah. I've been in Inverness for over thirty years now, but I can remember when I first came here. I think there was one supermarket in the middle of town. When I, when I say supermarket, this was a small, yeah. small supermarket, uh, which I think I'm right in saying. Yeah, it closed on Sundays. And so if I was uh, at work and didn't manage to get my shopping done on Saturday, then I'd starve for the weekend, you know? Uh, there, there weren't the shops. And now um, Inverness has, 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 I don't know, about uh, at least half a dozen really big supermarkets, which, because mm -hmm. obviously Inverness, as you know, is basically the hub of the Highlands. So there's a lot of people come into Inverness from all over the Highlands, do their shopping and then go home. So it's, uh, but it has grown exponentially. There's no doubt about it. And do you think that urban expansion over, so quickly over a short period of time has had a big effect on the nature around it? Or do you think it's almost... It's just, difficult to say, really, because I, 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 I'm not entirely sure. But, well, there's, there's lots of things changing at the moment. I think what Inverness was doing, it was almost sucking people out of the rest of the Highlands. Yeah, yeah. Because here there are facilities. There's, the, there's One thing is there's, there's the big hospital, there's shopping, there's theatres, restaurants, that sort of stuff. Things that people tend to, to want. And uh, so I think what that was having the effect that people in more peripheral areas were sort of depopulating. But I think recently that may that trend may have changed because, uh, because largely because of the, the Internet and the fact that, that remote working uh, 
is, 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 is very much a practice now. It was becoming a really major practice, and then that's been, been given a real push, a real impetus by, by, by COVID. Um, and so I think that, that uh, you know, if you're going to, a lot of people these days, because of the internet, don't have to be based in a, in a city or a town. So one of the things that, that, that certainly has been happening, an increasing trend, is people coming up and either building a large house or, you know, they probably, you know, a place they couldn't afford to have in the Central Belt or in London, perhaps, uh, and, and living up here. Now, that's, I suppose there's positive, positives and negatives about that. I don't know. Um, I think, I think, the, but I think uh, in terms of uh, what's happening with wildlife generally, I think that the... There's a greater, a far greater awareness now uh, of the importance of protecting our environment. And things are really beginning to change. Uh, for, for years, it felt as though nothing was changing and, and, and that, 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 you know, Scotland would be dominated by these traditional sporting estates. Um, but that's changing now. And, and, and you can see you know, a greater impetus for, for rewilding and a, a greater desire to, 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 to see a change in that. And that, that's really something that I've really noticed happening over the last four or five years. And, yeah. uh, and I, think that, I think we do have a, a much, much more optimistic future now. Well, what I think um, uh, your book does is almost act as a, um, you know, when we are all allowed out to kind of <laughs> yeah. miles, go out and do exactly that because it really is about interaction with um, the natural world. Give us a yeah. few more of your kind of highlights uh, off your winter, um, you know, because you do encounter quite a few uh, animals along the way. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think, well, I, I don't know, it's difficult to pick out. Um Certainly, a major highlight was um, I went into the Monolia Hills with uh, James Roddy, who's a wildlife photographer, and um, he ha he has a particular special technique for for helping you know get to bring you close to uh, wild animals. Uh, and we went there to to see um, uh, mountain hare. Yeah. Now, over the years, I've seen quite a lot of mountain hare, but they've mostly been running away from me at about 200 miles an hour. And with, with James, his assistance, I was able to creep up and almost get within touching distance of a mountain hare, which is an incredible experience, really. I was lying in the snow. It was very cold, but there was this wild animal that I just allowed me to approach it. Um, and you realize what fantastic creatures they are. Um, well, that, that really stands out to me. And um, another, well, an animal I didn't see <laughs> also stands out to me. Um, I went looking for beaver because beaver, uh, I, I, I think, are going to be one of the great success stories of, of, of wildlife being reintroduced. Uh, there'll be a lot of challenges, but I think it's going to be overall, it's going to benefit us. And uh, I went down to uh, a place near Dunkeld and um, uh, tried to, to see beaver. Now, um, I, one, of the, one of the tricky things about beaver is that they're nocturnal. So um, I, I, I did camp by the lock, and, but unfortunately I didn't see any. But what I was able to do, you know, you can see be beavers are not subtle animals. You know, they, they let you know that they're big time. Uh, they, 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 there's trees down everywhere and, uh, and, and what might at first be, appear to be quite a lot of destruction, although I think it actually does benefit the environment. But one thing I was able to do, uh, and I think it's quite incredible, was to, was to, was to reach out and touch 
where a beaver had uh, gnawed away at a tree uh, and was about in the process of, of felling it, I think. But, but that's something that my father couldn't do, my grandfather, my great-grandfather. You know, you've got to go back 300 years before someone would have been able to go and do that. That seems to me an incredible thing to be able to... It's like going back in time travel, really, to be able to touch with your fingertips uh, the, the marks made by a beaver. So those are a couple of only a couple of the good things I was able to do. Yeah, it's almost the reintroduction of a you know a species that has been away for so long, and then suddenly you can see their impact on the. That's in, incredible. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, you also kind of go whale watching and seeing the dolphins. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that was that uh, was uh, yeah. Well, that was. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I, 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 I'm. I think you'd have to say I'm a land lobby, and I'm not really yeah, a, a sea that. person. <laughs> so, it, <laughs> so it, I spent the first went down this little boat trying to find whales, and I spent the first uh, couple of hours trying not to be thrown overboard, you know. Um, but uh, by, by the sea, not by the crew. I hasten to add. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the, the, we did. We did. We we did encounter uh, whales. But every time a whale surfaced, I was looking the other way, so I didn't actually see any whales. Um, but what I did see, uh, and what I'd never experienced before, was lots of dolphin, and that yeah. quite incredible to watch uh you know they, they, they come right up close to the boat and they sort of surf on the on the on the bow wave and, and as far as i can see they just do it for the pure hell of it there, there can be no sort of they're not trying to feed or anything like that and they um and uh, and you can actually hear the clicking as, as as they actually talk to each other the little clicking sounds they made a fascinating thing to see you know in some ways um didn't see whales that trip other people did but but uh, and, and in a way, I'm glad because um, I don't think it should be that easy to see wildlife. I think I think sometimes you you know you value it more if you if if it's taken it's been difficult to see. Um, I think that's I think true. Jim I think Cromley I, yeah. who. who, uh -huh. who I was just going to say, I think Jim Crumley was going, trying, trying to find wolves, and he, uh, I think it was in Europe somewhere, and he was doing a little expedition somewhere, and at night they were going out to find wolves, and he managed to trip over a badger. And that, 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 that sort of uh, tripping over an animal at night, that, that's kind of the sort of thing that I would do, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there shouldn't be something like a, a, a theme park ride or a safari park where you just are guaranteed to see them. I think that's very true. No, I went no. wheel watching in Iceland. Yeah. It should be difficult, yeah. Not a single one. That's oh, wow. <laughs> actually, I actually have seen, uh, oh, when, wow. I, when I saw dolphins, <laughs> it was actually just in Inverness, or rather underneath the big road bridge in Inverness, there was dolphins. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can see. Yeah, that's absolutely, yes, you can see, see dolphins here. That's right, you can, yeah, yeah. So if we go to the, the April chapter where suddenly your plans are kind of <laughs> thrown away because this um, COVID uh, you know, <laughs> lockdown happens, and it's actually quite a poignant part because it certainly, I think, it will chime with a lot of readers, this idea that, you know, early on in the book you talk about, oh, I, I do enjoy solitude, but that's solitude when it's your choice rather than yes. solitude which is... Mm, Enforce. Mm, there's a mm. different thing and a different mindset. And you talked about yes. how you were, you were finding it difficult to write. There was a sense of kind yeah. of lethargy, the, the one hour walk being almost like a prison let out. And I think that <laughs> that's chimed, right. It certainly chimed with me, I, I have to say. Yeah, I think I think uh, solitude is a, cho is a choice and loneliness isn't. 
Yeah. I think that I think there's a vast difference there. And um, what the major problem, it took me a long time. I, I felt this great disquiet and uh, I wasn't comfortable. And as you say, I found it more and more difficult to write. And I've talked to other writers and they've experienced something very similar. But one of the things, it, it took a while for me to work out what it was, but it, it dawned on me eventually that, you know, all my life, the outdoors has been a place that I've escaped to. It's been my release. It's been a place that I've loved to be and enjoyed. And when pressures of life got too much, I've gone up a hill or, or whatever, you know. But what changed during the, 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 the lockdown was, and we didn't, you know, the, the virus earlier on was, 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 we knew even less about it than we do now. Yeah. And um, I think the, the, it, it got to the stage where be outdoors was where the threat was, where, 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 where the danger lurk was. Uh, there was this sort of miasma out there we didn't know. And, and so it suddenly, it suddenly reversed. And what I was struggling to cope with was the place that had been my release and my support, the place that I went for, 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 to, to, to put myself back together again, had yeah. suddenly become occupied enemy territory. Yeah. And, that, 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 that I, I, and I didn't really adjust to that. Really, yeah. I didn't. I, I, you know. And the other thing you kind of say, maybe not in these words, but is that, People often say, oh, if I had the time to do that, I would go and I would do this, this and this. But actually, the <laughs> gift of time in that way can be as cursed as much as, you know, as anything else. Because yeah. then there's a pressure to feel, oh, remember that thing I said I would do? I, this is the time to do it. <laughs> yes, it's exactly. Not like that, I think. Well, I, I did hear that um, publishers... Uh, we're inundated with proposals for books uh, because it's every, uh, particularly outdoor authors, because everyone was thinking, right, that now is the time I'll do it. But, but whether they actually got to write those books, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So looking forward, if you can, uh, John, what kind of are your hopes for, uh, for not just yourself, but for the, for the mountains? For, do you think some of the changes uh, that have happened in the last year are, are in the right direction because parts of the country have been allowed to reset in a way, perhaps. Well, I, I think we, the, the, I think, uh, I think there's trouble in paradise. Actually, yeah. I think, I think, I think there are challenges for us as we move back and as we're allowed to travel again. Um, you know, you know, we, we're faced with this with this great dilemma that, that I think thousands of us will want to get out into the outdoors. I'm sure they will, millions perhaps. Yeah. And, and yet we're moving out into an, into an environment which is fairly fragile. Some of the, <coughs> some of the things that happened uh, sort of after lo lockdown last year, when certain areas were absolutely um, thronged with folk, um, I think will happen again. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's really important that we... That we Accept and understand, really, that, that, that it's really important for people to have access to wild places. And what we have to do is look at how we're managing that. And one of the things that's happened over the years, for example, is that, is that campsites have got larger and larger, but the smaller campsites that were more basic uh, have died out, really. Um, and one of the things that, that, that I know that's being looked at is 
we need to spread folk out. The Highlands is a big place. We can yeah. take a lot of folk, but what we can't do is take, is concentrate people in, in one specific area. So what we've got to do is say, look, well, you can go there, but you can also go here. Yeah. And we have to provide facilities for those folk and we have to provide assistance and support. Because one of the things is that, you know, there are people camping and, 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 and you know, roadside camping or whatever, who've never done that before. Yeah. And they don't quite know how to do it. So, I, I, and I really think that, that we, what, we, what we do not want to be doing is, is, to, is to prohibit that kind of camping. We want, we want to support people to do it. And I think we also have to accept that it's going to go wrong in some places yeah. because, you know, we've got a population that's been through a pandemic, a lot of traumatized people out there, you know, and um, we have to cut these people a bit of slack. Yeah. Okay, it's not great. It's not what we'd like. Maybe I'm. Uh, maybe they're making a mess of a place, but we can clean that up. And yeah. and next time, maybe we'll put some facilities in there. And and, and so I, because I really think it's important that people get out into the countryside. Because obviously, I'm I'm a big believer. Or, or I would like us to value our countryside. Well, you can't expect people to value what they can't access. Sure. So you know, you know, we have to we have to find a way of doing that. So so there are opportunities like you said but i think we're gonna face a lot of challenges in the next few years yeah, yeah. it's interesting uh because i do remember in the summer as you say when people did have a bit more freedom yeah uh, lots of people were getting out and up mountains people that i would never have thought would have done that <laughs> um uh, you know there was that sense of uh let's get out of the city because yeah that's been yeah. our only walk for months and months and months yes exactly exactly that, that's quite natural and that's quite right too well, John, as always, it's a delight to talk to you and um, all the best with Wild Winter. I hope it's a big success for you. Yeah, it seems to be. It, it, well, obviously, it's not out yet, so, <laughs> but, but, but the, few, the people who've read it seem to have really enjoyed it. So, you know, I can, uh, and I think, as you said, it's, it, it's a different book because of lockdown. Yeah, so that's, and I, I, that's one of the reasons I think uh, people should read it because... A, whatever you expect it to be, uh, it's something very different and I'll have things that you <laughs> will, will, will recognise as well. Okay, well, thanks for having me on the show. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Thanks very much, John. And we'll be back soon with someone completely different. Cheers. Cheers.